Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Just remain standing for just a moment. And uh, as we think about the times in which we live, how many things do you feel like you're just being bombarded with a lot of, well, lies, a lot of confusion? Uh, some things are perfectly clear to you, and they're hitting you, and you know exactly what they are, but they're still painful, you still grieve, you still hurt, there's still uncertainty. How many of you feel those kind of feelings and emotions? Just let me hear you say amen. And we know that one of the reasons that God commands us to gather and to worship is because that's the way it has always been in the world. Always has been that way in the world. And that's why we come together today to say there is hope and there is life. And it's not just through positive thinking or wishful thinking. It's through the truth of the Word of God and the redemption of Christ that we just sang about. And uh, hey, folks, He is coming again. And we are closer to that now than we've ever been before. I hope you're ready for it. If you're not saved, my prayer is that you'll repent of your sins and trust that Jesus paid for your sins in full through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And you will surrender to him as Lord and receive the gift of eternal life. And if you have received that gift, my prayer is that whatever is going on in this dark world it won't rattle you or shake you because you are standing firm on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth of his word, and standing and resting in his sovereignty. We've always loved the doctrine of the sovereignty of God, but I got a feeling we love it more now than we ever have been because it's beyond us but it's under his feet. What's over your head is under his feet, as someone once said. Let's remember that and let's pray together. Will you join me? Lord, we come together as people who, on one hand, we're very confident. On one hand, we're very hopeful. On one hand, we know what the truth is. And on the other hand, we sometimes are, well, we're not mature enough to keep from being tossed about by every wind and wave. Paul said that's the sign of someone who is still a child. And as I look at all of that, I have to admit I'm more childish than I would like to think that I am. But sometimes I read one article and it causes me to be pulled one way. I read another article and it pulls me another way. I listen to what people have to say and I'm swayed by that. And uh, I get tired of that. And I've got a feeling I'm not alone in all of that. We just get tired of not knowing who to trust, who to believe, uh, what the facts really are, and what really matters, and what doesn't matter. It seems like it changes day by day and hour to hour. But Lord, we come today because whether we're grieving, whether we are sick, whether we're concerned about the future, whether we have problems on the job or whether we are having family problems we could go on and on with that we know that there's one one thing one person there's one place that we can go and we can always go to the Word of God and we can always go before the throne of grace and Lord forgive us when all we do is pray about ourselves we want to pray for our nation today I pray for Pastor John MacArthur and his church as they have decided to meet in defiance of the governor of California. I want to pray, Lord, 
that first of all that they are doing exactly what they ought to do and being led by the Spirit and secondly I want to pray that this would come to a peaceful resolution that would cause those who are enemies of the Lord and of the church to back down to know that they're defeated and to give the people of God the freedom that they have to worship you and to gather and we pray father that we would understand in our nation just how close we are to um, a lot of things we never thought we would see. And we ask you, Father, as we pray for our president, as we pray for Congress, as we pray for our courts, as we pray for governors, as we pray for mayors and city councils, we want to pray, Father, that uh, they would be saved. We want to pray that they would have wisdom. And we want to pray that you would bring sanity back to our nation. I want to pray for the people who want to destroy our nation this morning. And I want to pray for them. You said we are to pray for our enemies and bless those who curse us. That's what we're doing now, Lord, because we trust your plan. And we're asking you to save them. We're asking you to turn their own confusion on them. And we're praying, Father, that you would spare us, have mercy on us, and give us grace as a nation and especially as the people of God. So whatever we're going through, may we honor Christ. May we stand up firm. May we learn how to pick our battles carefully and not get caught up in things that are temporary or things that don't matter and let us be witnesses for Christ in everything that we do and we pray all of this because we believe it's your will we believe it's biblical and we believe that it honors Christ and we pray it in Jesus name amen and amen thank you you may be seated this morning as we uh, look back in the book of Exodus we're going to go to several different scriptures and we're going to uh, look at some things that Pharaoh had to say. I have been raised in my Christian life that compromise is always a bad word. But let's be fair. Sometimes when you are yielding your rights to someone else, you know that's actually a compromise. You are standing here, they are standing there, and you come to an agreement by both of you, or maybe just you, giving in and yielding to some of that. That's a compromise. In that case, a compromise can be a good thing. There's a lot of legislation that's passed, good legislation, to where the Senate and the House of Representatives may pass different versions of essentially the same bill and they come together in a committee to figure out how to compromise and put together a bill that both houses will vote on. That can be a good thing. If you are negotiating to buy a house or a car or something, you may talk to uh, the owner or you may talk to the salesperson and you may say, this is what I'm willing to pay. And they say, no, this is what we're asking. And then you compromise on that. There are different things where compromise can be a good thing. And there are some things we ought to be more than willing to compromise by yielding our rights for the glory of God, for the sake of someone else, or to be a good steward, or we could come up with a lot of things like that. So think about that. However, there are some things that are not up for negotiation. There are some things that are not up for any kind of a compromise. And I was struck as I was reading through these things that Pharaoh would offer to Moses and how the devil's strategy really hasn't changed. 
And we're going to notice today that there are some things that the enemy wants you to compromise on, and he does this strategically, and sometimes we don't know it. He wants to change the way you worship, and he wants to control that. He wants you to compromise on the extent of your commitment. It's okay to be a Christian. Just don't go too far with it. He wants you to compromise with your kids. Let somebody else be the educator of your kids. And this is not about whether you send them to public school or not. This is whether you homeschool, whether they're in a Christian school, whether they're in a public school. You as the parents ought to be responsible for their education and what they're really learning. Don't just leave it to someone else because you never know what they're going to be taught. That's why a lot of people that were raised and educated here in America are marching in the streets for anarchy and communism and socialism and those kind of things. Parents always have the controlling factor on those things. Teach your children. And then he wants you to compromise, fourthly, on your stewardship. And uh, he'll say, they're your possessions. You can do with them what you want. And that's really his way of controlling what you possess, what God has given you. So those are the four things we're going to look at today. And we're going to look at the scriptures. And we're going to see where it is that Pharaoh said that. And we're going to see the response that Moses made. Because God had told Moses... Go to Pharaoh, tell him, let my people go, and uh, they're going to go into the wilderness, three, a three days journey far enough from Egypt where they'll be safe and free, and they're going to offer sacrifices to me. They've never been free to really do that in that manner before, and that's what the will of God is. Now, Pharaoh is at first saying, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Well, as the plagues go through, he finds out. He finds out even his own sorcerers can't uh, keep up with all of it. And they say, this is the finger of God. And so Pharaoh makes some offers to them. And he does it in those areas that we were speaking about. Let's look at number one. And I would ask you to go to Exodus chapter 8, verse 25. And the first thing we see is Pharaoh says, well, you can worship, but you'll do it on our terms. We have a little bit of that trying to happen today in our own government and our own society. There are certain things you can worship, but you can't evangelize. You can worship, but you can't really disciple your own families. This is happening in places all over the world, and there's a movement to try to keep that happening here. Here, all of you old people, just gather and worship, but don't carry it out of the church. Don't let it affect your lifestyle, and don't go public with any of this kind of stuff. Now notice that Pharaoh says in verse 25 of chapter 8, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God. Well, if we stop right there, we go, Hey, mark that down as a win. Moses, I mean, right away, you've already made an impact, but these next three words change everything in the land. Well, what land would that be? Well, when Pharaoh is talking about that, he's not talking about the wilderness or anything like that. He means the land of Egypt. In other words, hey, Moses and Aaron, okay, I'll yield, I'll give in, I'll let you sacrifice to your God, but not three days into the wilderness. And you're not going to be able to do what God has commanded you to do or what you were wanting to do. You'll do it on my terms and you'll do it my way. I think about so many times when it comes to laws... 
and what the church and what Christian people are supposed to do. I mean, there's no question about the fact that we are called to obey the law of the land, right? That's Romans 13. The powers that be are ordained of God and we are to be submissive to them as much and as far as we possibly can. Peter even told the early church in his epistle that they were to honor all men and also to honor the king. Now the king at that time was Nero. That's a guy that is taking Christians and he is putting them on poles in his garden and setting them on fire in order to illuminate his garden. This is a cruel, cruel, cruel man. You've heard about Nero fiddling while Rome burned. Well, what Nero was actually wanting to do is he wanted to rebuild Rome, and in order to do that, he had to destroy Rome, right? Well, you can't be Caesar and uh, destroying everything, or people would turn on you. So you know what he did? He was able to destroy Rome and let it burn and then blame the Christians for it. It's not my fault, he would say. It's those Christians. We've got to get after them and we've got to persecute them. And Peter tells us we're to honor that guy. And that's something that we all need to learn. Whoever the president is, whether you like him or whether you don't like him or her, as the case may be. Whoever it is that is in charge of those things, we are to give them honor as far as we possibly can. And we are to be submissive to them as far as we possibly can. We have, uh, for example, uh, when Robert Taylor was living and working in Mexico, he could put up a church building and he could do it a whole lot cheaper than we could. And he could do it a whole lot faster than we could. You know why? They didn't have the same codes. You know what a code, a building code is? It's the government saying to a church, you can build your building, but you have to build it to these specifications, to these standards. In other words, they're controlling us. Now, I suppose we could stand up and shake our fist and say, you're not going to tell us what to do. We're going to do it the way God tells us to do. Well, that would be foolish. That's not a hill to die on. That's a law that benefits us. I like having a safe solid and sound building that we can meet in. I'm glad to do that and we're happy to follow the laws. That's why we follow speed limit laws. That's why we wear our seat belts. You remember back in the 80s when we didn't have to wear seat belts? And you remember when they made it a law? Boy, people kicked up kind of like they're doing about masks right now. We're losing our freedoms and all of that kind of thing. Now we get in and we get in our car and we put our seatbelt on and we don't think anything about it. And then when we hear about somebody that has some kind of a collision and they're killed in it. And then when we hear they weren't wearing their seatbelts, first thing that comes to our minds is, well, why? They should have thought a little bit more about all of that. There are laws that we can obey. There are laws that we should obey even when it comes to some of the things we do and the buildings we build and all of that. They don't affect our worship, in other words. Whether we have a building code or not, whether we have insurance or not, whether we do that or not, doesn't affect what we sing and what we preach. Okay, But there is a line that we cannot cross. There are some things that God has told us to do. Now, I don't know what the future holds, but I know that in states like California and New York, they're already, as far as I'm concerned, and if I'm reading the Constitution right, they're already overstepping their bounds into the realm of worship, and they're singling out churches and Christian people in some cases 
In California, they're told that, okay, well, you can gather, but you can only gather this many people and you can't sing. Okay? Here's the deal. Singing is a part of worship. Where do you draw the line? If it doesn't stop, it won't be long before they're going to say this. Oh, and by the way, you can't preach that homosexuality is a sin. Well, I didn't say it was a sin. It doesn't really matter what I think about it. What matters is what God says about it, right? We teach that abortion is murdering a child in their mother's womb. It's not because I think that. It's not because you think that. It's not because we might vote that in. It's because of what God has to say. And there are some things that God has told us that we've got to preach, we've got to proclaim, and we've got to figure some things out. Now, Moses was told, you can go and sacrifice to your God. It's okay if you worship, but you're not leaving Egypt. Well, there's only one problem with that. God commanded them to do what? Leave Egypt. That was the way it has to work. In other words, if you don't do what God says, it's not really worship, is it? And so there's a line being drawn in the sand in our culture today that's kind of like what Moses is going through, and we've got to make up our minds. It's either that we are going to obey God, and we're going to worship Him, or we're not. We don't want to get petty. We want to make sure that we are submissive to the laws of the land and the powers that be. They're put that by God, and God has a sovereign purpose in all of that. We understand that. But we also understand there's a point where we must obey God rather than men. And when the apostles did that, it had to do with their worship and their proclamation of Jesus. Don't preach anymore in this man's name. And they said, you determine what's right or wrong. But as for us, we can't help but speak of the things that we have seen and heard. And they continued on with all of that. So there's a line in the sand where they want to try to control our worship, tell us how we're going to worship. And there's a point that we need to take a stand and we can't give in. In verse 26 of the same chapter, Moses said, it is not right to do so. Hear what he said? Very clear. It's not right. It's not just that it's a bad idea or we don't want to or it's inconvenient or it doesn't fit in with our plans. He says very clearly to Pharaoh, This offer you've made, it is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then will they not stone us? We will go Three days journey, just like God said, into the wilderness and we will sacrifice to the Lord our God as he will command us. And that's the stand we've got to take. We will just simply obey God. There are some things that are fine and some things we'll put up with. There are some things that we won't and they will be very, very clear cut and we've got to draw that line. That's the first compromise. Now, the second thing that Pharaoh says is basically this. Well, go and do what you say you need to do, but don't go very far. Don't go very far. You don't have to be crazy about all of this. And it says in Exodus chapter 8, verse 28. So let's look at that. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Yay! That's a win, right? Well, there's always more to the story. Only you shall not go very far away. 
intercede for me. Notice how he kind of makes a, a sandwich there. And he says, on one hand, the top piece of bread is go sacrifice. And the bottom piece of bread is an intercede for me. Oh, good, we're making some headway with Pharaoh. But in the middle, the meat of this is you can go, but you still can't obey God. Just don't go very far. And that's the temptation today. How many times have you felt this pressure and have you seen this pressure? It's okay for you to believe what you want to believe. Just don't go crazy with it. You know, you got to live in the real world after all. People used to say, that person, they are so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good. Well, that kind of flies in the face of the Apostle Paul when he said, set your mind on things above, doesn't it? In fact, I've never met a Christian that was all that heavenly minded. We always have to be sanctified and we have to understand who God is and we've got to set our thoughts on Him. He's the one that is in control and He is the one to whom we bow the knee. So as we think about these things, what is Pharaoh really saying? He's saying, okay, you can go, but just not very far. Just not very far. Don't go crazy with this. Don't go all the way with what God has to say. This is going to be detrimental to you. In fact... Here I want what I want you to think about. Pharaoh was not cutting the chain. He was just lengthening the chain. And sometimes the devil gets us to thinking that maybe we're free and we've made some leeway, we've made some ground or gained some ground, I guess I should say. And what's happening? All that he's doing is just lengthening the chain, but the chain, brothers and sisters, is still there. You may be like a dog that's on a chain and you may be able to run and do whatever you want to do, but there's coming a point where the collar is going to grab you and the chain is going to restrain you and you are going to be in business trouble and the enemy knows that and they're willing to lengthen the chain as long as you don't really get free from anything and Moses response he didn't say anything in fact he didn't even dignify it he just left and there are some things I think we don't need to sit and talk or try to convince the world or anybody else about it's just a settled issue. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to go and follow your agenda on that. That's not what God says. There's no need to even talk about all of this. Some things in your life ought to be just a settled issue. And everybody ought to know that. And that's the way that you ought to live. Thirdly, and this one is particularly disturbing when we get to this point. We go to Exodus chapter 10. So uh, go ahead and go to Exodus 10 verse 8. And there's an interesting interchange here with a question that Pharaoh asks. And basically Pharaoh is saying, go, but leave me your kids. I'll take care of your kids. Uh, you know, and there's a couple of reasons why he wants to do that. Because... We are passing as adults, we're passing off of the scene, and we're passing off of the scene more quickly than we think. In fact, a lot of the things that you have grown up thinking and believing and acting upon, they're almost gone now and you're not even dead yet. And uh, it wasn't that you had to pass off of the scene, it was just that the new generation has picked up morals and values and thoughts and all of that that you never saw coming. Why? Because there was someone else, maybe in a university, maybe it was a friend, 
Maybe it was from the media. Maybe it's from social media. And you say, oh, you know, no big deal. I don't really care about all of that. Some of you need to pay attention to what your kids are listening to in their music. Because there are words in those songs I can't even quote from the pulpit. And I couldn't quote if I were on a television program. They would be bleeping it and backing up and, and I would be in trouble for it. Why are your kids, your little kids listening to it? Ah, it's just a different style of music. You better be careful about that. It may be more than a different style of music. It may be philosophizing them. It may be desensitizing them. It may be steering them into a direction that you would never want and you would never allow and you're even praying against and yet right there in your own home and right there with them listening to it, they're having all of that poison pumped into their brains. You'd better be careful and even be to some extent extreme about protecting your children because the devil wants your kids. It's interesting how many commercials that you'll see that will kind of appeal to children. And you think, well, you know, kids couldn't even buy that. It may not even be legal for them to buy it. But when it is, they want your children to kind of have an affinity for it and be philosophized in that certain way. That this is okay. This is the way we ought to live. And so we see the decline of marriage. Now, it's still true. A majority of people in America are marrying, but there are more and more children being born out of wedlock. There are more and more people that are just living together without any kind of a covenant relationship or anything like that at all. And with that comes the destruction of our society. And with that comes a lot of heartache. And with that comes children that are disoriented they are dismayed they don't know who to believe they've got one parent telling them one thing another parent telling them another they don't know how to honor their father and their mother because as far as they're concerned both of them are wrong and dishonorable and there's all kinds of things that are happening to them not to mention the fact that we sacrifice our children now for personal pleasure through abortion on demand. Think about everything that is happening to our kids. And as these kids grow up, what happens? Well, we're seeing the fruit of a lot of that now. Why? Because the devil believes in your children. You may not. You may think that whenever we are able to start back up with programs like children's church or Awana or Sunday school. Ah, it's no big deal. It's just kids. They'll just color some pictures and have a Bible story. It's no big deal. I want to tell you it is a big deal because the devil believes in the power of your children. And billions of dollars are spent every year in advertising to try to grab a hold of your child, your little child's brain, and to get them desensitized to sin and all of that. It is your job, Moses said in Deuteronomy, to teach your children in everything that you do. Take advantage of the opportunities to teach them about God, to teach them the Word, and make sure you are living it and not just dropping them off at church or doing something inane like that because the devil really will camp on that. If you give children the idea that church is just for women and children, then don't be surprised when they abandon it later on. If you give them the idea that church is just for Sunday morning and after that do anything you want, live any way you want, then don't be surprised when they do it. When you teach them that they are just mutations and animals, then don't be surprised when they live that way. Vadi Bakum said, if you send your children to Caesar to be educated, don't be surprised when they come back as Romans. 
Now, how do we counter that? It means when they come home from school, we talk to them about what they've learned. When we find out that they've been taught something that is wrong and contradicts the Word of God, we take the opportunity to pray for them and we take the opportunity to teach them ourselves what the Bible says. That's why every mom and dad needs to be a Bible scholar and a prayer warrior and your children are worth it and they are important. The Bible says here in this interchange that Pharaoh said, um, Oh yeah? You really want to do that? Look down at Exodus chapter 10 and look at verses 9 through 11. Pharaoh asked the question, who are the ones who were going? And then Moses says, we will go with our young and with our old and with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds, and we will go for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Now listen to Pharaoh's response, and this is where I get this. Then Pharaoh said to them, The Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Notice what he says. He's already told them, you can go, just do it in the land. You can go, just don't go very far. But on this one, he makes it real clear. He does not want the children going with them. The Lord had better be with you when I let your little ones go. Behold, for evil is ahead of you. Not so. Go now, you who are, notice this, men and serve the Lord. For that is what you desired. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Pharaoh was more than willing at this point to let the older generation go. You guys do what you need to do. That's what old people do. That's what this generation thinks. But you are not allowed to pass it on to your children. And that's the not-so-subtle message coming through our culture today. Believe whatever you want. You're a fool. But you're not allowed to pass it on to your kids. And I think that's where the persecution is really going to be poured on in a very subtle way. They may not be able to get rid of the First Amendment and stop us from meeting... But they can put the pressure on to keep you from passing those things on to your children. And they'll call it hate speech. Right? They'll say that you are crazy if you believe that. And I predict the day is coming when if you try to educate your children in the things of God, the government may declare you to be insane and unfit as a parent and take your children away from you. And find somewhere else. If we don't stand up for these things. And that means come November, you better be careful how you vote. There's a lot at stake with this kind of stuff because these battlegrounds that Pharaoh uh, uh, brought before Moses are still true and working today. Does that make sense to you? You see what I'm saying? The devil's strategy doesn't change. That's why Paul said we're not ignorant of his devices. Why? He hadn't come up with anything new. He didn't need to. The same old stuff seems to work generation after generation until we stand against him. And then the fourth thing, Pharaoh tells them in chapter 10, verse 24. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. And in that is implied, all of you can go, even the kids. But then he says, Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. Do you see that? Okay, okay, okay. Take the kids. But leave us your possessions. 
And the devil wants to control you and he wants to limit you by getting you so tied down to your possessions, so tied down to your money, so tied down to what you think you need that you will do anything to keep your stuff. You will do anything to have what you think you have to have and you will even dishonor God if it means that you can keep your stuff. It's called materialism. It's called greed. It's called covetousness, which is forbidden in the Ten Commandments. It's the kind of thing to where we will do anything to make the almighty dollar, which there's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with ambition. There's nothing wrong with having a business. There's nothing wrong with being an entrepreneur. There's nothing wrong with having goals. Until you dishonor God when you do it. Until those things become your God. And Pharaoh is keeping a hook on the people. Okay, you can go and you can go your three days out. You can even take your kids with you. But leave your stuff here because the devil knows if he can control your stuff, he can control you. And he knows that if he has all of their stuff here, they'll be back. They'll be back. Back in the days of the Soviet Union when the uh, Russians and the Eastern Bloc countries would send their athletes to the Olympics, what would happen when an athlete is going from a dismal, dark place like the Soviet Union to some place like the United States or some other Western country? Well, they knew they would have defectors going crazy. So you know what they would do? They would take this little gymnast who is 13 or 14 years old. Yes, you can go and you can compete for Mother Russia and you better do it a good job but we've got your family and if you don't come back we'll kill your mom we'll kill your dad and they had them there because they knew with these athletes and for the vast majority of them if they have their family they can go anywhere experience anything but they'll come back in order to save their family well Moses was not confronted here with the thing about family but with possessions much, much the same thing Pharaoh's strategy was if I can control your money if I can control your possessions if I can control your livelihood you'll be back You'll be back. And that's the compromise that the Lord wants, uh, the devil wants us to fall into today. And so the Bible tells us in verse 25, But Moses said, You must also give us sacrifices and burn offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock shall go with us, and not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. We're taking everything. So basically Moses is saying this, nope, we're going. And then he says, we're going all the way and we're taking all of our children and our family with us and we're taking everything that we have, which is the call for those of us who follow Christ. To follow Him with everything we are and everything we're responsible for and everything we have because that's where the power is and that's why this story is so powerful. They didn't compromise. They didn't fall for tr Pharaoh's tricks. They went all the way with all they had and they took everyone that they had and uh, what a great, great story it is and it's still true for us. How deadly is compromise? A pastor from Haiti told a story about a man who wanted to sell his house. He wanted to sell his house for $2,000. Well, 
Well, there was a friend of his who wanted to buy it, but he didn't have much money. And so they bargained and they negotiated back and forth. And finally, the man selling the house said, Okay, I'll sell it to you for half of the price, $1,000. He said, But only one condition. Okay, what is that? You own everything in the house except one thing. Okay, what's that? Above your door inside the house, I'm going to put a nail and I own the nail. Okay, we can live with that. No big deal. I own the nail. Well, as the years went by, the two men got into conflict with each other. And the man, the previous owner, said, I want to buy the house back, and I want you out. And the man who owned the house said, no, I'm not going to do it. And the man said, do you remember that nail? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And he didn't think much of it until the previous owner of the house found a dead dog and hung the dead dog's carcass on the nail just inside the house. Can you imagine what happened? The smell, the stench. It made the house uninhabitable where the owner of the house finally said, okay, you can have the house. We can't live here anymore. That's the way the devil works. He doesn't always ask for much. Just give me out of your life, just give me the peg. Just give me the nail. And you look at it and you go, it's no big deal. I can control that. What are you going to do with that? Until you find yourself waking up one day and going, what has happened? What is that smell? Why is my life so rotten? Why are things coming on like that? And you can go back to this. You let him have the nail. The compromise was there. And what did he do? He used it in his time for your destruction. Moses understood that. That's why he stood so strong. That's why he didn't fall and go, Oh, you're going to let us go? Oh, Pharaoh's finally being nice. He understood there was a strategy. And whatever it was that the enemy was doing, it wasn't for Israel's good. It wasn't for Israel's freedom. It was to extend the bondage. It was to make sure he stayed in control. And it may be that the enemy is working in your life and you've kind of compromised, but you said it's no big deal. But like the man that owned the house and just owned the nail, look what it did. And that's the thing you've got to be careful for. That's why the Bible calls us to be living sacrifices. That's why the Bible calls us to surrender everything that we have unto the Lord. Will you promise me you'll think about that today? Will you promise me that you'll evaluate your life and you'll think about all of these kind of things because we've got to take a stand, but we've got to do it in wisdom and in the right areas. We don't want to make mountains out of molehills and we don't want to die on a hill that we don't have to die on, but we do have to have our standards and we do have to come to a point to where we say, no, this is the line, no compromise, and God always blesses his people that will live holy lives and be dedicated unto him in everything. So can we bow our heads and let's close our eyes before we leave? Let's stand as we have a word of prayer. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, I'd love to talk to you about that after the service. If you're on live stream and you want to know Jesus and you feel the drawing of your heart to the Lord, that's from the Holy Spirit. I would love to be able to help you with that. We've got plenty of people here who would help you as well. And may the Lord bless you as you seek to follow him in all that you do. And thank you for your attentiveness this morning.
Father, I thank you that people have listened to me. But that's not really all that important. I want them to listen to you. I want them to hear you as you call them into victory, as you call them into freedom, as you call them out of darkness into light, as you call them out of the rottenness of this world. And as they look and see the carcass of the dead animal hanging in their, in their spiritual home, so to speak, and they wonder about all of that, and it's because they sold out. And they let the enemy have a part of their life. They never intended for it to get to this place. But I want to thank you, Lord. You are the one who can deliver. You're the one who can still set us free. You set us free in salvation. You can set us free now. And that's my prayer, that you would do that. And that you would prevent us from falling into the enemy's traps. Liberate your children. Let us stand strong. Let us have a powerful voice. Let us be salt and light. Let us have impact in this dark world, especially in our own families. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, would you say amen? God bless you. Thank you. Just a couple of quick things before you go. Remember, tomorrow is a Mission 405 Food Pantry Day. So if you're scheduled to be there for the morning shift, be there on time. If you can work, be sure and let